1: Hey, welcome to Good Morning Football, presented by Old Trapper Beef Jerky, live in New York City. It's Tuesday, September 19th, week two in the books. I'm Jamie Erdahl, Kyle Grant, Peter Schrager, Jason McCordy. Doubleheader Monday Night Football last night. Oh, yeah. um, really tough injury to see. Nick Chubb yep. go down. We are going to talk about that. But, Kyle, you chose, you intentionally pulled that jersey out of your closet.
2: Listen, we've been talking about Micah Parsons all week as maybe the best defensive player in the league. TJ's good. (laughs) TJ had a night. The Steelers' defense had a night. A lot to talk about all evening. It was a wild Monday night of football. TJ Watt and, guys, the Steelers' D carried him. Carried him. Two defensive touchdowns, 26-22. What do we say? Stack wins. They now each have one. The AFC North is fascinating. But let's hear from the Steelers' all-time sack leader, TJ Watts, after that performance from the Steel Curtain.
3: When your back's against the wall, man, you, you have two options, and we, we just really want, we, we want to be a team that fights back, especially as a defense. We want to be a defense that determines outcomes of games, and uh, the only thing we can control is what happens when we get out there on the field, and there's gonna be so much more that we can improve on, but I'm very glad with the splash that we had tonight, uh, but
0: there's gonna be a lot of stuff to correct as well.
1: Steelers were able to close that one out late as they beat the Browns. Huge divisional win for them, but the heartbreak for the Browns coming out of that one not only is the loss, but also the fact that they have lost Nick Chubb for the remainder of the season. What is the latest this morning on the Browns running back, Tom?
4: Well, Jamie, Kevin Stefanski confirmed the obvious after the game that he expects that Nick Chubb is going to miss the rest of the 2023 season. Not a surprise to anyone who saw the play, even if you avoided all the various replay angles that are circulating on the Internet. I can tell you I was getting texts last night from people with other NFL teams comparing that injury for Nick Chubb to some of the worst that we've ever seen in football. Things like Willis McGahee and his injury back at Miami in 2001. Chubb himself had a knee dislocation and three ligament tears in that same left knee at Georgia back in 2015. The question now is the extent of the damage he'll undergo further testing today. And that'll help dictate what the road to recovery looks like for him to get back even in 2024. So for the Browns, they now have to move forward here and decide whether they can move forward with the same backfield. Jerome Ford had over 100 yards last night. Pierre Strong scored a touchdown. One of their former running backs, Kareem Hunt, is currently available. Certainly there could be trade possibilities as well. All that remains to be seen, and they got to sort it out now on a short week. Meanwhile, the Steelers also had a potentially concerning injury last night. Micah Fitzpatrick, who was involved in that collision with Nick Chubb later on in the game, ruled out because of a chest injury. Mike Comlin said that Fitzpatrick was taken to a local hospital for evaluation, so we will continue to monitor that as well. Jamie.
1: That is interesting, Tom. Uh, we'll talk to you later, and we'll hear more about that as Minka is evaluated this morning. And again, just a heartbreak for Nick Chubb and the Browns as they move forward. The Steelers, though, as we mentioned, they beat them last night. They come away with a win on Monday Night Football. It was a doubleheader. We'll talk about the other game later in the show. What did you think, though, of this AFC North matchup last night, Peter?
5: Brutal game. Yeah. Brutal yeah. game. Yeah. Brutal to, to see Chubb go down. Brutal from an offensive standpoint. Yeah. Brutal on the officiating at the end where you're like, wait a second, there's a no-call on that. And yet? I come away with it, and I want to talk about two names, and that's Highsmith and Watt. Those guys were the stars of the evening. We came into this thing thing. Mm-hmm. Miles Garrett and Darius Smith, how is that a duo? Oh, yeah. These guys blew him off the field. Um, Watt, you know, and Watt is awesome. I think when Alex Highsmith got his huge new contract a few months back, everyone was like, really? And <laughs> not surprised that he got what he got, but that he's already in that conversation. He felt like an ascending player. Guess what? The Steelers... You pay for what the guy's gonna be. You don't pay for the guy for Talk about it. this is the future. You've got now two young, tremendous events. Highsmith's an incredible. Last night he had five tackles, a sack, a forced fumble, an interception, and the opening touchdown of the game. And after the game when, uh, you know, Lisa Salters is talking to T.J. Watt, he says, well, first of all, first of all, before you even talk to me, I want to bring over this guy. And he brings and over wait. Alex Highsmith. And, and he's like, this is the guy you got to be talking to also. They are a duo. This is no longer just T.J. Watt, Defensive uh-huh. Player of the Year, throwing the whole team on his back like he's Atlas, coming up a mountain. This is, in this case, a duo, and I think Highsmith showed his worth right now. I'm not trying to be dramatic here. They go down 0-2 to start the season with two losses at home, and the losses being to to the Browns and, of course, opening week getting blown out by the Steelers and the offense looking the way it is. It's dark times. They're 1-1 right now. All right, let's get to the weekend. Let's get to what we got in week three. A clutch win, and it wasn't because of the offense. It was because of Highsmith on one end, and it was because of Watt on the other. They were the most dominant players on the field. Aside from Michael Parsons, they might have been the most dominant defensive players in all of football mm-hmm. this weekend.
3: Yeah, it was beautiful to watch. And to your point, Highsmith, 14 and a half sacks last year when Watt goes down, get paid, and those two will now be on the field. You talked about an ugly game. That it was. 20 quarterback hits in the game, eight sacks. There were two interceptions, five fumbles. It was just a football all over the place. There was a play early on in the first quarter where the Browns force a fumble on the Steelers, and then Delpit picks it up. Then he fumbles. The ball was just bouncing all over the place. It looked like my son Kind of flag football game from this past weekend, where they're just out there trying to figure it all out. It's true, but nonetheless, Steelers A-I-S. offense absolutely struggled in this one. Shregs, you highlighted the defense. Well, I'm going to lowlight the offense of what yeah. they were able to put up last night. We watched them throughout the preseason, and Kenny Pickett. Every drive he went out there, it was a touchdown. Pickens to Pickett to the whole nine. Yes, they scored a touchdown last night on a blown coverage by the Browns. Their second touchdown of the season. They only rushed for 55 yards last night, and we're looking at Najee Harris and Jalen Warren, and we're like, these are the guys. Like, hand the ball off, play good defense, and that's not happening. For whatever reason, it just hasn't been pretty. Steelers fans frustrated, chanting Fire Canada during the game, which Mm. was not fun to see at all. I don't know what's going on with the offense of what we saw, the Magic, in the preseason. I guess it was just they weren't going against starters, but so far this season, it just hasn't been good. And Pickett said after the game, they have to. To do better to get the defense off the field the defense gave off some rush yards but some of it was they were out there too long because the offense wasn't able to get anything going negative seven mm-hmm. yards in the fourth quarter mm-hmm. and they oh. still won so, the and game. it felt like it was third and eight every time the Steelers had the ball oh,
2: just part of the problem is they're, they're featuring the wrong running back and anybody who watches the game can tell I mean it's obvious like <laughs> we'll get into that in a little bit I just want to talk about Nick Chubb just let's just take a hot minute I love Nick Chubb. We all love Nick Chubb. Is there a player in the league who has 100% approval rating, just everybody loves him? Even the stars of the league, they have haters and critics. Everybody is all about Chubb. Last night, Aikman was talking about how Mike Tomlin refers to him as Mr. Chubb. This is the Steelers coach. He has that much respect. I think the only person who is not all about Chubb is Chubb, and that is what makes him so cool. He wouldn't say crap if he had a mouthful of it. So I want everyone to make sure to understand, just in this morning, on Tuesday morning, after he went through that terrible injury, how good Nick Chubb is. Yards per carry for career, the highest three of all time. It's Nick Chubb, it's Jamal Charles, and it's Bo Jackson, who is the greatest athlete to ever live. Nick Chubb has a six-plus yards per carry in the fourth quarter of games, which is the most badass stat you could come up with for a running back. Over the last three seasons, who led the NFL in rushing? It's that guy. It's not Taylor. It's not Henry. It's not. I would have thought Derrick Henry. No it's Nick Chubb, because he doesn't say anything, he doesn't gritty, he doesn't out in commercials, he shows up with almost no accessories, no swag, no nothing, and just moves the chains. I think he was the best player on the field last night before he got hurt. He was electric. He goes down, I hate it, I hate it, I'm sick, I'm football depressed this morning. It's terrible. I like that at least he had a contract. It's not one of these guys who who wasn't paid, and it's a shame in that sense. I like that it was on natural grass, we don't have to have that conversation, but I hate every single thing about this, and I just want to take a moment for all of Respect to Nick Chubb. Everybody around the league is tweeting and tweeting. Awesome player, awesome guy. I mean, we remember vividly he was on Hard Knocks. He's the same draft class as Baker, went number one overall. They take Nick Chubb, this running back, out of Georgia. He shows up to the airport. The Hard Knocks camera's there. And no one knows who he is. No one recognizes him. He just stands around. And that's after he was at Georgia and he was the other guy behind Todd Gurley. That's mm-hmm. been his M.O. his whole career. Uh, so much respect. I hate that that happened. But I, I have to also ask a question here. Like. Yeah. So we're all on a lot of text chains. I'm on some text chains with ex-players and people all the time. The hit, mm. okay? I, I'm texting with some people who played in the league who said the Minka hit uh, is dirty. He should be fined. He should be suspended. There's no business for that. He went low and he was vulnerable. Jason, DB for over a decade in the league, what did you think of the Micah hit that ended
3: Chubb's night? I don't think it was intentionally dirty. I think when you look at the replay and you see him going low while somebody's tackling him up high, you're like, well, why would he do that? And I think from a safety's position, you have to remember, DBs are the smallest guys out there on the field a lot of times. So the way you get a big back down is you have to go low. If you're a Micah Fitzpatrick, you can't tackle a Nick Chubb up high because he's going to run right through you. When you so angry ones, you're seeing guys stiff arm and all those types of things. And that split second, in his mind, he's like, all right, he's coming through this hole. I have to go and I have to take him low. If he had to redo it again, knowing that somebody had him up high, maybe he doesn't. But it's easy for us to watch that in slow motion and say, Mm -hmm. oh, well, he should have went up top. He had already made that decision, going full speed up to make a collision. You hate to see it, but I don't think there was anything dirty or intentional in that play where he's trying to injure Nick Chubb. What did you think? I, I think it's it's easy to sit here and say it, it, that he went after his knee. Do You think he
2: wanted to go after Nick Chubb's knee? I don't right. believe it for a second. I know people are saying Steelers are dirty, Fitzpatrick is dirty. It happens very quickly. I'm sure Fitzpatrick would like to have the play back. I, I love Minka. I love mm-hmm. him as a player. I can't sit here and say what are you doing? Like nah. he's been in the league a long time. He's mm-hmm. a professional.
1: Uh, Peter, remind us the, if, if there is any punishment that comes down on the back end. It takes a couple of days. Is, yeah. Has there been any like formal announcement about a review about that? No,
5: we'll see. I mean, I, I, Mink is in the hospital too now. It sounds right. like, yeah. So it's yeah. like he it's a brutal he won't game out he
3: there. Yeah, I, I don't think he's going to get there's punished no for penalty that. for tackling a guy low. Yeah. Mm-hmm. that, that yeah. doesn't exist. You go. To a guy's helmet, that's when the penalties start to come in. So, or
1: if
5: you wear the wrong socks, you
3: know that, like that's, that. That's, right. that's, huge, that's huge, Peter. So on, the now.
1: Chubb injury happened in the second quarter. If you guys were watching the two games at the same time, it was odd because the kickoff was an hour apart, mm-hmm. and Chubb's injury, you know, took up so much time to get the game going again. Not that the Browns had some crazy offensive clip going, but they really stalled out after that. It was tough for the Browns to get going. What do you attribute that to? Watson, Deshaun Watson goes 22 of 40. There was a, a smattering of you know unsportsmanlike calls by the Browns. just mental errors by Mm -hmm. them. Their
3: Mm -hmm. offense just doesn't look like it's clicking. I think that's the thing. We went into this season. It was, all right, last year it was a mulligan. Deshaun Watson was coming back. All right, now he has a full offseason. Right, let's go. We're just focused. But when you watch it, they've relied a ton on Nick Chubb throughout the first two weeks. Mm -hmm. When he went down, Ford stepped up, and they were able to get good production from him. But still, from an offensive standpoint of driving the ball down the field, making those throws, Watson, Stefanski just hasn't been there.
4: Saquon Barkley will not play on Thursday night against the 49ers. His status now considered week to week because of that sprained ankle that he suffered in Sunday's win over the Cardinals. Now, this is not believed, based on my understanding, to be a high ankle sprain. It's obviously severe enough that he can't play this week. He was in a lot of pain on the sideline. But all in all, it's not the worst news given the circumstances for the Giants because Barkley has an opportunity here to get back sometime in the coming weeks. For now, coming off that thrilling comeback victory, they now roll into San Francisco with a running back depth chart of Matt Breida, Gary Brightwell, and rookie fifth-round pick Eric Gray. We'll monitor that, how that shakes out in terms of the workload in that backfield, but obviously not ideal when you're going up against one of the NFL's best defenses.
1: Absolutely not. I just hate that it happened on a short week. Tom, thank you very much. Talk to you in a little bit, and I hope it's good news next time.
3: Appreciate it, Tom. Let's get to some football now. Saints-Panthers, there was another game on Monday night. Saints lead 20-9. to They will go on to win this one. 20-13. to They get the victory. Division opponent, Saints now 2-0. and Let's hear from Derek Carr to see what he had to say after the big win.
0: Well, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. Um, you know, we had a few opportunities for sure. There's so much that we have to clean up, but it so, feels so good to clean it up when you win. You know, like I said outside, like, we're 2-0, and and I don't think that we've played at the level that we're all expecting to play at yet, but we're going to keep striving, we're going to keep working, um, and make those corrections, but it feels good to do it with a win, for sure.
1: <laughs> to quote Jason McCourty, adjustments are much easier when right. you win. Time for today's Wake Up Call, presented by Verizon. Three teams, as we mentioned, 2-0 and in the NFC South. The Saints... Cap uh, that one off last night. Are they uh, for real in this division, mm-hmm. Peter, or yeah, do they they're look elsewhere? Real.
5: They're, real. they're for real in this division. This division is going to be one of those that we check in in week sixteen, seventeen, and eighteen. Wanna, no one's going eighteen and zero in this division. And the Saints, to Derek Carr's point, I actually respect his humility on this. We didn't play great, and yet we end up 2-0. And he personally hasn't played great. He threw a really bad pick in this game, where it's just like a lofting, floated ball. And you're like, really, Derek Carr? Still? After all these years, you still throw those, and it got picked? Um, And then when it mattered most, he did pick it up in the fourth quarter. I like what I saw from the Saints' defense, of course, and that's a bunch of veterans. Those are guys who were able to put the clamps on Bryce Young, but even they let the the Panthers back at the end. The one note here, Jamal Williams goes down with an injury, Mm -hmm. and this Tony Jones steps up, fourth year at Notre Dame, and Tony Jones just hammers Mm -hmm. in two touchdowns, Mm -hmm. playing like a big running back, and it's like that's also the Saints' way. They have next-man-up qualities. Right now, I look at the NFC South, the Bucs are 2-0, the Falcons are 2-0, the Saints are 2-0. I don't think any of us had that. I'm happy to see it for all those fan bases,
3: but don't be crowning anybody in week three. None of these teams have looked spectacular. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, no doubt about it. And I look at it, last night, the Saints' defense is really good. They're legit. That's the one takeaway you saw. Yeah, you watched like them. them against the Tennessee Titans in week one. They make plays all over the field. The front end, Cam Jordan, Marshawn Lattimore in the back end. To your point, Derek Carr last week threw an interception when they had an opportunity to go put points on the board. Last night, lost one up to Von Bell, with an opportunity to put points on the board. I think he's obviously an upgrade of what they've had, but when you talk about them being real contenders in this division, I'm looking at some of the younger quarterbacks in this division, a guy like Desmond Ritter, who I think is going to get better each and every week. Mm. The veterans, the Baker Mayfields, the Derek Carrs, you're expecting those guys to come out and be hitting, not on all cylinders, but getting things going early on as vets. I look at the Falcons in this division and what they've been able to do in the run game so far in these first it's two fun. weeks of the season. To your point, yes, Kyle, that's the way I would describe it. Every time Bijan Robinson touches the ball, yeah. it is fun. The next thing you know, you hand it off to Tyler Algier and it's like, get out of the way because he's Whoop. running you over. This oh is exciting. God. It's fun. Their head coach going for it on fourth down late in the game. I think this is a team that you want to root for and you're excited to see what they can become week in and week out. So if I'm talking about the NFC South right now, to me, I can not way to watch the Falcons. Okay. I hope I'm crediting it right.
2: I think it was Daniel Jeremiah who was saying if you put on Dijon's tape as Tomlton. a rookie, it looks like LT as mm. a rookie. Like, same hip, same all that stuff. I, I, I kind of still think it's the Saints. Derek Carr is not comfortable at all. And you can tell because we've been watching Derek Carr for a decade. Usually very positive, like yeah. good body language. He's pissed out there. Like he's, he's grumpy. He's frustrated. He's doing a lot of this. He gets in the sideline, does that like mean look that Derek Carr. <laughs> he does a lot. You can tell he's not comfortable. But you know what? He's 2-0. Oh. Yeah. Like just figure it out on the fly and stack wins. I, I, my rationale is of the three teams that are 2-0, oh, you got six units offensive defense. The Saints defense is the best unit uh, of the six. Like that's those guys, those guys are OGs. Those guys are dogs. I mean, tomorrow, Dave, is chasing
5: down my Young. That's a big play. Tomorrow is not a young dude. I still can get it done.
2: I get fired up about the Falcons' run game, too, and I get fired up about Baker Mayfield and those guys in Tampa. But the Saints' defense, to me, is still going to carry you home. I think Derek Carr will figure it out a little more as we Mm -hmm. go.
1: I'm thrilled for the Buccaneers' start. I mean, Baker Mayfield, like, looks settled in on a team that has taken him a couple years to really find footing and, and match up with the team. The Buccaneers, the mm-hmm. Monday Night Special this week now what they got? way ahead the Eagles. Oh baby, it's Buccaneers okay. Eagles, which will be awesome. <laughs> yeah. You know what I appreciate about this division, Kyle? This yeah. maybe it wasn't this time last year, but we were into October. Yeah, I think when the NFC South was just kind of an uncomfortable division to look at. Oh yeah, terrible. Like you, you didn't, you felt badly about the matchups. <laughs> you wanted the answers to some of the questions. I feel better about the football it's that's true. being played in the division.
2: Yeah, that's true. Now we look up the NFC North and it doesn't look good. But the, right yeah. now the NFC South is like, all right, we're winning yeah. some games. Yes. The one we said going to this segment, there's three 2-0 teams in the South. We all thought it was wrong. We're like, is that true?
5: No, it actually is right. should never doubt (laughs) our production and and We're storytellers here, and there's great stories. The Atlanta story is a great story. Ritter's a third-round pick. Carr is trying to salvage his career and have a final chapter. And then, of course, when you talk about uh, what you've got with the Buccaneers, it's like, Baker Mayfield post-Brady? Okay. We
2: love Baker. (laughs) Baker hooks us sometimes, though. He'll
0: reel us back in. I I hope this one is for real. You go into your shower feeling I think this is the best player in the NFL.
3: Yes.
2: I think through two weeks, he is the best player at any position. Give me that. We talked all week about how they're going to stop him. They didn't. He's forcing fumbles. He's he's making guys embarrassed. He's turning them into gifts. If Vine was here, they'd make vines out of Micah Parsons. Oh, wow.
1: That's he's just comeback.
2: everything
3: you fear, everything you anticipate. Micah Parsons yeah. of the Dallas Cowboys just making play after play after play. He had two sacks. He had a tackle for a loss. He had to quarterback a bunch of times. Micah Parsons. Parsons. Parsons is just unbelievable. He gets my game ball. He should get everybody's game ball. That's how good he was against the New York Jets.
5: Best player in football. He should get everybody's game ball. It's time for We In and We Out. Let's take this to the next level. It's In and Out. It's presented by Progressive Insurance. So as we know, our colleagues Kyle and Jason were raving about Micah Parsons' Week 2 performance, deservedly so. Kyle went as far as to call him the best player in the NFL. So here's my statement. A defensive player could win the MVP award in today's quarterback-focused NFL. Are we in or are we out? Would they ever give it to a defensive
3: player, Oh, I wish, I wish, yeah, I wish. That so. just sounds so amazing, a defensive player winning it, but I am out on this. I do not think it will happen. Everybody just absolutely love the quarterback. Everything the quarterback does. It's all about the offense. I know. I don't see – we can barely get a running back or a receiver to win an MVP award, let alone a guy on the defensive side. If, if Micah has 30 sacks or something just absolutely ridiculous, maybe. But I, just, I don't see it. I wish it would be true. I hear you.
1: Uh, Fain optimism, my friend. I am in on this. Okay. Uh, only because the way the season has started, it's not like anyone – of two weeks it's like wow that quarterback is on a hell of a trajectory so sure if if not any other year this one
2: mm-hmm. I, Peter I want it so bad I know and so the Micah Parsons thing is that like, I, I think he has been better at his position than anybody has been at theirs he's been better than Mahomes he's better than Justin Tucker like a, everybody mm-hmm. um, I, I'm probably out though like we go back a few years Aaron Donald was the best player in football yeah. like he was just the best player but he's not going to be MVP it's just the, the raw statistics have to be so high I think back about 10 years ago when Manti Tan Took a real run at the Heisman as a yeah. linebacker. And mm. you're like, he, he had the numbers, he had everything. A freshman quarterback beats him, Johnny Menzel, because of the stats. Mm. I think the recipe whereby Micah Parsons who win MVP, not Spence Player of the Year, I think you have to break the stray hand sack record. Okay. The, so we were talking about 23 that's 24 sacks. That's one thing you've got to do. One thing.
5: 23 sacks would
2: do. You also it. owe us to have what we always call Heisman moments, where you have a huge pick six fumble curve for a touchdown on, on Monday Night Football. You have to do that. And you also need the quarterback stats to regress and the big headline quarterbacks to not have the greatest year. It's I tough. think
5: that's it's gonna hurt him if the Cowboys go on this miraculous season like they're starting off to be as good as the defense is if Dak comes in and he's 13 and 4 or 14 and 3 and the Cowboys are the one seed okay, there's gonna be voters saying right. this is Dak yeah, this is true. what that's Dak true. did um the last defensive player in 1986 Lawrence Taylor, Taylor did win it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and no one questions that award now like I don't know to your point if Parsons does those things and that might that's be a lot. tough check. Breaks the sack record. Yes. Okay, that's a huge ask. Nope. Playoffs when yeah. the when the he, East
2: they win there in the playoffs. Yeah. Does he have to
3: be way better than every other defensive player? Because we just watched T.J. Watt, T.J. Watt and Heisman put uh, on an no, absolute show too. So it was just like we watched Bosa last year win the defensive player of the year. Michael was really good last year too. So. It was, it's tough. It's, I think we got to crawl before we can walk. I'd love to get another Super Bowl MVP on
2: defense. Like yeah, that's pretty yeah, rare too, and I think it's deserved. Yeah, I think Von
5: Miller was the last one. Yeah, 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 yeah it was. Yeah. It was yeah. Okay, moving on from one of the most entertaining players in the league to maybe the most entertaining coach in the <laughs> league, Dolphins head coach Mike McDaniel um, was interviewed at halftime by our dear friend Melissa Stark, and just just watch how it goes and how it finishes.
0: You have been able to move the ball on this Bill Belichick defense. What is working so well offensively? Oh
3: Um, I haven't done anything the players have done a great job executing some stuff. We need to clean some stuff up Um, They're always in the game. So we have a whole half to play So can't let our guard down need to make some second-half adjustments and press forward He's
6: casual he's confident (laughs) and he's connected with his team as well Miami 17-3 they get the ball to start the second half the Toyota halftime. Go get him, Mike. hustle in there We're hustling to Maria. We won't pull a hamstring. I promise (laughs)
5: I was worried about his safety and great job by Tariko narrating that and very cool that they kept that shot on there but he starts running and like Mike's got some wheels so here's the comment Mike McDaniel is sneaky fast are we in or we out we're definitely in on that I would describe him as wiry and that's always
2: fast Mm. Um, I I don't want to break the segment here but it made me think about we talked in the offseason who's the fittest NFL head coach we said Robert Sala break the segment baby Who's the fastest NFL head coach right now? I have some thoughts. All right, I did a little research. Jonathan Gannon was a, hi- a hurdle star in high school at St. Really? Ignatius in, in Ohio. So he has real speed. The guy, though, who has the clock, Kevin O'Connell, ran a 461 Forty at wow. the combine fifteen years ago four six one even though fifteen years ago was legit can anybody beat McConnell or you can answer the original question I think we all agree Mike McDaniel sneaky fast right sneaky
1: fast sneaky fast I had um I had to go to the tape for this one you did yeah I take you back to the twenty nineteen SEC championship and I had to try this myself
2: oh what do we got oh, wow.
1: Oh, there I am running. I used to have to run from side to side you. You uh, in between coach interviews. So I was going from Kirby Smart to Ed Ogeron. This is the set day, so this is the day before the game. It took me 12 seconds to get across the field. And somebody had to time me, and uh, it is hard. It is hard to take off. The camera is chasing you. Shout out to the steady guys. Now, this steady guy could keep up with me. If you can't keep up with Mike McDaniel, then yeah. yes, indeed, you are okay. sneaky fast. Then I, yes, I am in on being sneaky fast with Mike McDaniel okay. I am not.
5: Who's this faster, guy? Eddie O or uh, Kirby?
1: Uh, they don't have to run with me.
5: I, know. I oh. leave them there. Oh, I like those guys in the cowboy.
2: Eddie Ed O those
1: probably Ed probably has the explosiveness off the <laughs> yes. line, but I'm going to go Kirby probably for the first. Okay.
3: The steady cam was in front of you. So yeah, you it was steady, you said, <laughs> you said I was up. in a
1: trot. The cam was behind,
3: like, come on now,
2: come we on. We were
1: even. 12 seconds. Tim, you got
2: to find a diving board or something. That's yeah. Nice.
3: That's yeah nice. uh, <laughs> um, Jonathan Gannon also went to Louisville, but banged up hip. Um, he's out. Oh, he's out. He's, he's out. Jason, he that's fascinating. injured. They hit him. done. He played Can you and beat one.
2: O'Connell, the Vikings head coach? Is he the fastest coach in the league right now.
3: I'm going Mike McDaniel over you say McDaniel. O'Connell.
2: Yes. Uh,
5: what about yeah. D'Amico
2: Ryan? Ryan's? Played linebacker in. the I looked league. that up. Uh, he has slower forty time. And it's been a little while, but I think D'Amico's in the race. <laughs> okay. Uh, McVeigh is probably the youngest, and it's just like. Mm, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. McVeigh. Just with pure energy. I think McDaniel has that frame of a guy who runs marathons. Like he he looks like he looks like Goldberg, our researcher. Yeah. Like been running twenty miles a day. I could, Huge.
3: Yeah.
0: I think he's better over long distances. I really do. That won't give him the speed to mm. Nico. That might be the sneaky winner. We need to yeah. to race O'Connell. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.
5: We now welcome to our show the NFL Network's front office analyst. He's won three Super Bowls as the VP of player personnel with the Patriots. And now he joins us. Welcome back to the program, Scott Pioli. What's Yo, what's what up, Scott? Scott? How are we doing? Good morning.
6: Good morning, everyone. Happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday.
5: Happy Tuesday.
1: You
6: too, my friend.
5: Happy Tuesday. So last night we watched and it was heartbreaking. Nick Chubb suffers an unfortunate injury, carted off the field. We're already told he's out for the season, yet there's football still to be played. Take us inside the Browns front office this morning. That's our best player by a landslide at that position. Your star player, the heart of your team goes down. What are the next steps and how do you handle the emotional and, of course, the football of the situation?
6: Peter, yes, it was absolutely heartbreaking. I I do want to start by saying that because Nick Chubb is not only a terrific player in this league, he's a fantastic human being that I have a ton of respect for. But as we've mentioned, there's the business side. And as soon as that is done, what's happening is that front office is scrambling. I don't mean scrambling because they're in chaos. They are making phone calls because you have to remember last night is Monday night. They're a day behind everyone else in the league that is taking care of their injuries. What are the Giants doing with Saquon Barkley? The running position has to be filled. So right away, they are making calls to agents. They're trying to get players in. They've got a short week. They've got to get a player in at running back that's going to be a backup or be part of that group that has to get a physical, has to get a workout, and that they have to see where he is. But if I'm the front office, i got to tell you this. What I'm more concerned about is... We lost our best player, and possibly the next best player is our quarterback. A quarterback who's supposed to be a leader and had a lot of problems last night. He turned the ball over three times, two of them that led to a total of 14 points, has a complete meltdown in the game, gets two personal fouls, and this is supposed to be their leader. So as I'm looking at my football team and I'm moving forward, I have concerns of where my quarterback is and how he's going to lead. We also had that other incident at the end of the at the end of this play where he shoved an official. He's lucky he didn't get thrown out. So as a front office, I want to make sure that my team and my head coach are together moving forward.
1: Yeah, your eyes always go to the quarterback, Scott, it, whether it be win or loss. It's your barometer at times. And that's where I go with the next question. Panthers rookie quarterback Bryce Young. He came up short in his home debut for the Panthers, but despite the loss, can you find bright spots for the Panthers organization if you were in their front office to take away from his performances through the first two weeks?
6: Absolutely, Jamie. The bright spots to me were the fact that he made a lot of good decisions and didn't make many bad decisions. The other thing that we saw out of Bryce Young was he made some things happen with his feet. You have to remember, and everyone knows this, this is only his second NFL game, and even though he played in the fastest conference in the co- in the in the country, in the SEC, the NFL game is happening faster. And you could see a couple of times yesterday where Bryce Young, the speed of the game was catching him. He had that strip sack where he lost the football early in the game but he didn't have an awareness and I don't think he fully understood the speed of the game but if you look at that in totality there's a lot of things to be encouraged with and it starts with the fact that he did not make bad decisions and he did not have the pressure impact his performance.
2: I hear you, Scott, and we have a lot of respect for what you accomplished alongside Bill Belichick, Scott. We've talked about it for years, all the things you did with the Patriots. But I think that's why this is interesting because we're here now, and Bill Belichick's Patriots are 0 and 2. They were eight and nine last year. They're sub 500 since Tommy left. What do you think is the state of Bill Belichick inside his mind? Like, what is he thinking about right now at this point of the
6: season, and maybe even this point of his career? I think at this point in the season, it's stay the course, improve, get better. Here's one thing that Bill knows and always preaches. Jason knows this. You are not going to be the same team in December and January than you are as you are in September. The Patriots are 0-2, but they haven't played bad football. They've played two of the best teams in the National Football League, in my opinion, and they've kept it close, and they're right there. They've also got a quarterback who's still getting, a, uh, getting used to his new offensive coordinator and Billy O'Brien. I think that they're going to be fine. Bill knows that they're going to be fine. He has things to show on tape why they have to improve what they need to improve. They will be a better football team at the end of the season than they are right now, and I think that entire organization knows that. I like it, Scott.
3: Scott, I can only imagine I do not miss those one-hour-long team meetings with Bill just standing up <laughs> there showing film all day long. So I'm sure it'll be a fascinating week uh, in Foxborough. But, Scott, week two is officially behind us. There are nine teams that are sitting at 2 and all. Oh. Who stands out to you the most?
6: tell you the team that I've been keeping my eye on since training camp when I was down in Atlanta is the Falcons. I watched them this year in training camp and I felt an energy and I saw some things happening with head coach Arthur Smith and a group of players that were really coming together well. As I'm watching this football team and I watched the tape the last two weeks there's a lot of things to really like. Young quarterback Desmond Ritter is improving, he's getting better, what he has is a terrific offensive line and he's got one of the best running backs in the National Football League. The guys that have stood out to me on the Atlanta Falcons so far, starting with offensive guard Chris Lindstrom, who's a pro bowler and a terrific player. But watching Bijan Robinson behind Chris Lindstrom the job that he's doing, Bijan has been everything that was advertised. Again, not just from a makeup standpoint, but from a performance standpoint. This past week, he had 124 yards rushing, 6.5 per carry against the Green Bay Packers. He had 172 yards of total offense. They have the right things happening with their offense. Their offensive line doing a terrific job. And young... B. John Robinson is doing a super job. A lot to look forward to with the Atlanta Falcons, I oh, think. Oh, yes. Mm, Come on now. Absolutely.
2: They're a hot team. Mm-hmm. They're
5: fun. It's so cool. We're going to talk about all the 2-0 teams in a bit in the show. Scott, thank you so much. We appreciate your insight. And, hey, Cleveland, if you're listening, get on the phones. Let's Come go. On. Yep.
6: Dream hot. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Have a great rest of your week.
0: You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring –